Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 27th of November 2016, entitled, The Lord Will Do Wonders, and the Bible reading is taken from Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word taken from the book of Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, Then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Father, we thank you so much for this great privilege that we have to be in your house, to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to have your word before us, your spirit within us. Now, Father, we know that you knew everyone that would be here before you. Lord, laid this passage of Scripture upon our hearts. You know the needs of every heart that is here today. Lord, we pray that you would meet those needs as only you can. Speak to hearts in a way that they know, Lord, that it's you, and I pray that you'd help each of us, Lord, that we would be receptive to what you have to say to us, and that we would be responsive in whatever way that we need, and that all that we do would bring glory and honor to you, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. To get a bit of the context of our passage this morning, I want to take us back to Joshua chapter 1. Read just a few verses here. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, That have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. So we find that this is the undertaking that Joshua has just taken over after the death of Moses to lead the people. And now after all of their wanderings for these 40 years in the wilderness, God is about to take them into that promised land and he reminds them of this great promise and, and what it is that lies before them. But he knows there's going to be battles. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be obstacles. But that doesn't change the fact that what God has promised is before them and that God is going with them to possess it. It will be theirs. He says, don't be afraid. Be courageous in all of this. And, of course, we find that in accomplishing that, that God does some mighty and great things that can only be accredited to him. Now, sometimes we can kind of get this idea that somehow these things called miracles. Uh, we'll be talking to the children a bit uh, about that. We began last month in the, in the Bible club about some of the miracles of, of Jesus and whatnot, but we somehow either think that the wondrous, the miraculous workings of God is somehow a past thing, something that uh, is no more. God has had things in the past that he doesn't need anymore, but God hasn't changed. And the same miraculous power-working God that was here with Joshua is the same God that is with us today. For those that don't think they're in the past, sometimes we think that it's just something that is the figment of the imagination of some of those other Christians out there that aren't quite as clever and reserved as we are. And so therefore, you know, they think God is doing all these miraculous things, but we know better because we're smarter than they are. I just want to declare to you today, the thought that we're going to be looking at today and probably next week is the Lord will do wonders. The Lord will do wonders. Sometimes we just forget who God really is. And this is what we've been looking about in our, in our, in our Bible study time on, on Sunday mornings. Look with me, if you would, into Psalm 77. The Bible says this in verses 10 through 15. And I said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? 
Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Shalom. Look into the book of Acts, if you would, move me to Acts chapter 6. Notice what the Word of God says there in Acts chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. And the Word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. We find that Stephen was not one of the apostles, but he was that one of the early deacons in the church. But we find that when these things began to take place, when God was working in wondrous ways, notice what happened in verse 9. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses which said, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that said in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Folks, this was in the early church. God began to do great wonders through this man called Stephen. Now, I am not, they don't like me up there for some reason, I am not talking about a lot of the artificial foam and spurf and turf and all this stuff that's, that, that's going on around us all the time that is, that is just man. I'm talking about the God, the creator of the universe, the God with the power of the universe doing wonders amongst us that can only be accredited to him. You see, I believe that it, a lot of times it is all in our perspective of how we look at things because too many times today we can get our focus upon the fact, well, we're in such hard days. We're in such hard times. We've had many, many tell us that, you know, we ought to pack up and move out of this neighborhood because that uh, most of the people that live in these houses, they're, they're Muslim and they're these other things that don't want anything to do with Christianity, so why do you stay there? We have many people that look around the world and they say, you know, nobody wants this stuff anymore. You know, it's, 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 it's bygone days when people wanted to go to church and wanted the things of God. People have got other things on their mind today. You see, 
when we look around us, we can surely see many, many obstacles. But I'm telling you that when Joshua was there and God was about to lead him across into what had been promised before them, they had many obstacles. Remember that when the spies first went over some 40 years previous, that of those 12, uh, Joshua was only one of the two that saw what God wanted them to see. The other 10, they saw the giants. They saw the obstacles. They saw what was going to keep them from having what God had promised them. How many times when we look around us, we find that we can either see the obstacles or we can see the opportunities. I remember, and I've probably shared it with you before, a story of, story of one uh, a shoe salesman. And of course, he worked for this big company and they were very successful and they wanted to expand their business into other countries. I don't remember in reading the story if it was a specific country that was named, but I remember that it was one of the countries that was on the African continent where that when people lived there in the tribes, they didn't, they didn't wear shoes. You know, I mean, what, this, this was those, those other people, you know, in those places that wore these things on their feet. None of these people wore shoes on their feet. And so as this company wants to expand, they begin looking at their sales force and they say, who wants this opportunity? Who wants to go to this place Why, where we've never been before and get this started? And of course, many of the salesmen looked and said, huh, who wants to go there? That's crazy. Nobody wears shoes there. Why would anybody want to go there? Well, the other ones that saw the other ones saw the opportunity and said, wow, Look at the opportunity. I mean, here's thousands of people that don't even own their first pair of shoes and will have the opportunity to sell them their shoes that they can put up on their feet. They can see it as an obstacle. They can see it as an opportunity. And as we look around us, we can see the obstacles around us, but I'm encouraging you today that these are also exciting days in which we live. They're exciting days. Because the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is closer than it has ever been before. And as we look around us in these dark days and we see so many people, there are so many people that need the Lord Jesus Christ and we've got the greatest message and the greatest news in all the world. We don't need to get ourselves so involved. It's so easy to get distracted from the things that God wants to do and and get focused upon the things of this world. We look around us and we, we see the, the sinfulness. We see that we seem to have lost all caring. <laughs> we seem to have lost the, the, the fact of any kind of appreciation for life. We want to kill the babies while they're still in the womb, and we want to murder one another on the streets when they're older, and then in late life we want to help finish them off before that they... Yet to their end, we find that relationships, the Bible defines so very much that the day is going to come when men and women would turn from their natural affections. The list could go on and on and on. Yes, there are many, many broken homes. We could see so many, so many things in this world. But also, can we begin to look at the reality that many of those nations, I mean, there are people right here today that come from nations that not that many years ago in your lifetime, 
the freedom was not there to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is today. We find that there's a lot of bad things that come from modern technology, but there's also opportunities to be able to get God's word out there like never before. We see the fulfillment of God's prophecies before our very eyes. When we see these things, we ought to know if we're not blind that it's all the fulfillment of exactly the way that God said it would be. We can get too comfortable. People in their natural lives can get too comfortable and lose any kind of desire to do anything more, to amount to anything more, to to be anything more than what they are. Sometimes it's hard to shake ourselves out of a rut. I can remember I can remember many, many years ago when I was a young man and I can remember when when they really cars began to be a really big thing in, in, in the country of Spain because they hadn't had many before when under, under Franco's rule there. And they began to build these big highways and whatnot and all these big lorries, these trucks would head up and down those things, but they had no control over the weights and they would weight those things down so much that they could just barely crawl up those roads, but they were also leaving big ruts in the asphalt. And you're driving down through there in a car and your wheels are keep slipping into those ruts And as long as you run along in that rut, you're okay. But man, when you tried to come out of that rut, it would just throw you all over the place. And that's just the way it was. Sometimes in our lives, we just get in the rut. (laughs) And it's hard to break out of a rut. And sometimes when we break out of that rut, it it can sling us around a little bit. It's not an easy thing to do. I believe that too many of us today are caught in the rut in our Christian lives. We just just want to just coast along and stay there and, and, until we get to the end. We're not really interested in seeing God do wondrous things amongst us. I believe God still wants to do great things, folks. I believe that he still wants to do wonders amongst us. The truth is, is that do we really believe in our hearts that God wants to do wondrous things through us? Because I want to just share a few things here as we look back at this passage. Look back into Joshua there again. And notice what we read there in in, in chapter 1 when God first came to this one called Joshua that he was going to to use. You see, he says there in verse 1 and 2, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. May I say, great things can come. The Lord will do wonders through his divine direction. God will do wonders when we're doing it his way. Over this Jordan lay the promised land, Canaan land, the thing that they had been living for for so many years. Why was it that they spent 40 years there in the wilderness? He tells them specifically because of their unbelief. 
because of their unbelief, because they didn't see God big enough. They saw God too small. They were seeing the obstacles as being bigger than what God would do for them and what God would do through them. They saw all these giants, all these people that would be fighting against them rather than seeing a God that would make the way before them. He says there in verse 8, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. When are we going to see our ways made prosperous? When are we going to see great success? When we do it God's way. We're such a clever people. <laughs> And, you know, I've said many times, you know, I don't, I don't see God giving out any gold stars for stupidity. You know, some people just don't want to have any kind of intelligence. But we also realize that you can't have true intellect with God not being a part of it. Too many times in our churches and in our personal lives, We've got it figured out what we want to do and where we want to go and what we think that God is going to do for us. We get all of our programs in place, and sometimes we can be as genuine and sincere as we possibly can be, but yet we're not looking to God. God, what are you wanting to do? You see, the Lord will do wonders but he'll do it through his divine direction. Directions are given for the purpose to be acted upon. God has some unfinished business that he has left us here to accomplish. The church is here with a purpose. The church is not here for the purpose to ease our conscience, to make us feel better, to do our little religious thing every week. The church is here with the purpose of accomplishing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. And God has given us the directions of how to do that. We can get so sidetracked and the temptation is naturally going to be there to try to work out our way, what we need to do when we're not even going to see what God wants us to do. Folks, we need to have our eyes open. Even the Bible teaches us that we have got to meet people where they are. But we never, ever, ever can depart from his truth and have true prosperity, true success only comes through God's divine direction. We find that when God gives directions, he gives them for a reason. May I say, the Lord will do wonders through his divine directions, through what he wants to do to accomplish his work, but he'll do it through decisive obedience on our part. <laughs> the directions have got to come from him. The directions have got to be divine, not human. But the obedience is going to be on our part. That's our decisions to make. You see, if we look back at 2 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 6, when David was looking for leadership to accomplish that which needed to be accomplished. He was looking for decisiveness. And in 2 Chronicles eleven six, 6, he says, Whosoever smiteth the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. Whoever 
gets out there and gets the job done, that's who I'm going to promote. That's who I'm going to offer success to. And while most of them were looking around trying to figure out what in the world to do and what would happen and what about this and what about that, Joab jumped up, went out, defeated the Jebusites and became David's chief captain. He knew what needed to be done. He was told what needed to be done and he did it. God has given us his divine directions. We need to be decisive and obey what he's given to us. You find that you look in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. It's easier to start looking around, well, who, who could God, they, you know, they really do need somebody down there. Who could God send to help those people to do what needs to be done? But Isaiah said, Lord, you've got a job to be done. If you need me, here I am. Send me. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do whatever it is that you want me to do. You see, we need to see a little bit of initiative on our part. We, see, we need to see God took the initiative to save your soul. He loved us while we were yet sinners. He died for you while you were yet his enemy. But he left it to you and I to accept that free gift. He took the initiative we love him because he first loved us. He died on the cross to save our souls. The Holy Spirit came and convicted you of your sins. I can promise you that if he had left it to you, you'd still be on your way to hell today. God took the initiative to save your soul. He did everything. He had the plan in place to save your soul. Why? Because he loved you that much. You see, the Christian life, winning people to Christ, showing others the right way, building the church, it's, it's, it's not something that is mystical. Yes, there is the supernatural power that we're talking about that works through us, but for our part, a lot of times it can just be described as a lot of hard work, <laughs> but doing the work that God wants you to do. We find that in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, he tells us there in, in verse 4, John chapter 9 and verse 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Who's working in that passage? Jesus. He's working the works that the Father sent him to do. May I say that we need to be working the works that God has left us to do. He has given us the directions, but we have got to obey them. If we want to see God do great wonders, God is still in the wonder-working business, but according to his directions and according to our obedience to him, one preacher said, there will be no Pentecost without plenty cost. We've got to be willing 
to give ourselves to the Lord wholeheartedly to let God do. You see, God still has unfinished business for you and I, just as he did for Joshua in our account here. God's looking for some decisive people today that will take some initiative and do what he's directed to do instead of just sitting back waiting for somebody else to do it. Sometimes it's so easy, so easy just to sit back and expect that somebody else will get it done. One said we need to get the go back into gospel. You see in Mark 16, 15, he says, go. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I looked up some figures, and in August of 2016, just a few months back, according to the World Health Organization, there's now almost 7.4 billion people on planet Earth. 7.4 billion people. Now, again, it varies a little bit from year to year, but on the average, somewhere between 106 and 107 people die every minute. That's over 150,000 people dying every day that we live. And that's over 56 million people dying every year. 7.4 billion people. And of those, some 56 million of them are going to go into eternity. And the question is, have we? Because our direction, the divine directions for God was for us to go to every creature and give them the gospel message. Now we can sit back and we can wait for somebody else to do it and we can get so involved in our comforts and what we want in this world that we just let that work go. But I'm saying today that we want to see great wonders that can be accredited to God working in our midst Then we better get back to following his directions and we better get back to making some decisive decisions to be obedient to him. You see... You take those same figures still with that many people going into eternity every day. If God tarries, which I don't expect him to, but in less than 200 years, the population of the world will be double what it is now, growing at the rate that it's growing. That means we'll be looking at some 15 billion people. Now, I realize that when we look around us at the work that needs to be done, that we're probably working more like in Acts chapter 17 when Paul went to Mars Hill and he's facing all the the new agers and we're facing a lot of that today. Man has gotten so smart. Don't you dare forget the fact that when Stephen was being used of God to do great wonders in the church, that they wanted to get rid of him. (laughs) People don't like it. People don't like it. Why does God tell us that if we live godly, we will face persecutions? Don't think that that makes it an easy life. What I'm saying, though, is Peter, Acts 2, day of Pentecost, you know, that that was a whole different story when he was working there. He was talking to people that had heard, and so many of the people that we speak to and 
talk to today, they've never heard the gospel. They know about religion. They know about the names of these churches and these different religions of the world. But I'm saying more people than not that you run into today and tomorrow and this week will not have heard the simple, true gospel message that will save their lives. And without it, they have no hope. We sang earlier, in Christ alone. That's where our hope is at. That's where our hope is found. Well, I'm saying to you that without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. As long as there's Jesus, there's hope. But without Christ, there is no hope. And there's too many hopeless, helpless people in this world today that have never, ever, ever been given the truth. You see, this is not talking about your salvation. We don't have to earn. God doesn't say, okay, if you'll go out and bring me 10 more people, then I'll give you your permanent place in heaven. No, God loves you so much that despite all your sin, despite all your failings, despite everything that we get wrong, God loved you and saved you and reserved your place for you. But God cared about all those others out there. And God has directed you, every one of you. You see, if you're here and you're not a child of God, there's one thing that you need to do more than anything else in all this world. Just recognize that sin can't be a part of, of, of God. Therefore, there's no part, no time to be able to spend in eternity with him in heaven. You can't have life. There's either life or death. There's nothing in between. Life only comes with God. Realize God loved you so much, he wants to give you life. He wants to give it to you. Your sin is destroying you. It's not that God wants you. It's not his will that any should perish. But if you choose to hang on to your sin instead of turning away from that sin and seeking the one place that you can get forgiveness for it, there is nowhere for you to spend eternity except away from God. Today, God wants you to come. But Christians... God wants you to make a difference. If you are saved, we're not talking about, yes, you do. Some people, I jotted down here what I, what I heard. One preacher put it one time. He says, for them that just think that they've got to hold on to the rapture, that that's, that's the job that we've got is just to hold on and hang in there till the Lord comes back. He says, those that want to hold on for the rapture gives an aspirin a headache. It makes a tranquilizer have a nervous breakdown. Instead of holding on, we need to reproduce ourselves and mobilize an army who are excited about Christ and want to serve him, then go out and attack the enemy head on. I don't know. Some of us, I realize, can have too much sports on our mind. <laughs> but man, growing up, I love sports. And I wanted to be involved and play in everything that I possibly could. Sometimes the things would cross over because I wanted to play baseball and I wanted to play basketball and I wanted to play football, American football, where we kill each other out on the fields. <laughs> I just, man, I wanted to get out there and I wanted to be competitive, but I never one time wanted to go out there and lose. <laughs> I went out there to win. One thing about the Curtis kids, they're all competitive, I promise you. <laughs> You know, winning isn't everything, but that's why you compete. 
You compete not to lose. You compete to win. And that's the Bible tells us that we ought to run the race to win. We ought to run it because we want to finish in first place, not last. We find that one of the things that I used to hear, and I'm sure you've heard it too, is that, you know, defense is what wins the game. Defense is what wins the game. They used to say, well, but the best defense is a good offense. <laughs> you see, you got to keep the enemy back. you got to defend. But I can promise you this. You never, ever won any one game, never won a game without offense, without going on the attack. You can't win without scoring, okay? What we need to realize is that the Apostle Paul used this thing of athleticism a lot because I guess he knew that we would identify with it readily. We need to go out there to win. Yes, we go out there. We want to we wanna go out there and, we, you know, good sportsman conduct and all these different things and don't be sore losers and all this, but you go on the field to win the game. And the thing is, in our, in our Christian life, we are in a battle. I never, you know, I... I I served in the military, and I remember when we had to memorize the, all the, the, the military code of justice and all of that stuff, but nowhere in there, nowhere in there did it ever tell you to go out with the expectation of losing. <laughs> Never. You don't go into battle expecting to lose, wanting to lose, not caring if you lose. You go to win. I'm saying we need to be decisive. We need to take some initiative we need to realize that we're in this thing to win. And in this case, it's not to win your salvation because you're already saved if you're a child of God. It's that somebody else can win. You know, when it comes right down to it, so often we're just, we're just too selfish. We've just got this, this thing within us that we want what we want and we want to have our time for this and our time for that. We don't have time for God. We don't have time to, to do the things that he wants us to do. In Matthew chapter 16 and in verse 18, Jesus said, and I say also unto thee, talking to Peter, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this small stone, this small pebble, I will build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thou art Peter. Thou art this little stone. Thou art this little pebble. That's what his name meant. But upon this rock, what? He just got through telling him before that, that flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto him, but by my Father which is in heaven, what? That Jesus Christ was the Son of the living God. You see, the rock is Jesus. He's the only one. That's the only place that it can be built. Joshua. Arise, go over this Jordan. Church, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's God's directions to you and to me. You say, but preacher, it's always somebody wanting me to give more or to do more or to go more. And I guess that in some ways it can Seemed that way a lot of times. I was having a conversation, and I'm just speaking from my heart because somebody 
made a comment, you know, that so many times, even in our fleshly ways, we find that people come and people go. And of course, we find that sometimes we see that uh, the finances of the check are affected because people that give can move on and suddenly those gifts aren't there anymore. And what's the natural thing for us to do? To be concerned. How are we going to fix all this damage? How are we going to fix these things that have gone wrong? We don't have the money in the bank to do all these things. No, we don't have the money there to do them now. <laughs> but I do know this with all of my heart. We've got a God that's promised to supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Do you know why that I encourage you so many times? Yes, I make no bones. I believe that every child of God, I mean, the, the, the very least that you should be giving to God is, 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 is 10%. You show me anywhere in the Bible, before the law, during the law, after the law, that was the pattern that was there. But you know what? I don't want you to put your money into this church because of what it'll do for this church. I don't even want you to put your money in there so that we can fix these things that need fixing. I want you to do it because of what it will do for you. Do you believe God's word? Do you put God first? Do you trust God? Or do you come back with the idea, well, I can't, I can't afford to give this because I've got this to pay and that to pay. And you see, you're doing it yourself. All I'm saying is, hey, I want you to know the power of God on your life. I want to see you see God do things that no man can take credit for. I know that God will meet our needs. And I know that he'll do it through people that love him and people that put him first. But I want you to be the one experiencing that. And folks, it's not just your money, your time. So many times we got so many things going on in our lives. If we can fit God in this week, we might fit him in to, to go to church on Sunday morning. But there's no way... <laughs> that I've got time to go on Sunday evening. There's no way I could make it out there for prayer meeting on Wednesday evening. There's no way I could go out there and pass out those leaflets. There's no way I have a Saturday to get out there on the streets and try to, to share the love of Jesus Christ with somebody else. My life is just too busy for all of those things. May I say that your life is just too busy. It's too busy when God's work has to somehow Take second place, second show. You know, we don't do these things in order to somehow mark up brownie points. And, you know, there's not even anywhere in the Bible that tells you that you got to go to church so many hours a week in order to be a good Christian. <laughs> there's nothing that tells them that you've got to give a certain amount of money in order to, uh, to be a good Christian. There are things that God gives you directions on that you just need to be decisive and you need to be obedient. And you know, God doesn't want you to, to give wishing that you had it back in your pocket. He does a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver. Whoa, praise God. Can we take another offering today, preacher? I just want to give to the Lord, praise God. He loves a hilarious giver, he says. Man, God has blessed me so much. I just want to be able to, to bless it back. The thing is, it comes back to your heart, folks. I don't want you to give grudgingly any more than God does of your time, of your money. But what we're really focusing on today of seeing God's work move forward in all of these ways, I want and I believe 
that God can do wonders in our midst, that God can do things that can only be credited to him. But if we're going to see the wonders of God instead of just the results of man's planning, the results of man's programs, the results of man, I want, I want things that you could not credit to the preacher, to the deacons, to any of the people of the church, that you can only credit it to God. God's the only one that could do that. He is a God of wonders, and God will. The Scripture passage says, sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart. Be a different people. Don't be part of this world, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He was going to do them, and he did do them, we'll see, with the nation of Israel, and he'll still do them for you today. God will do wonders, but it won't be according to our definition of what God wants. It'll be according to his divine directives, and it'll be because of our decisive obedience. And we'll look at some other things. I just, I want you to get excited and realize things may look bad, and there's plenty of things that you can see as obstacles in your life, why you can't do this and why you can't do that. And why this can't be and that can't be, but I'm saying get focused on the opportunities. Look at what God can do. Not at what we can't do, but what God can do. God can and will work wonders in your life, and he will work wonders in this church. But it's going to be according to him, not us. Today, do you know the greatest wonder that God has ever, ever performed? <laughs> is to take a wretched sinner and to turn him into a new creation. Do you know that God can make you a new creature? You, you think different. Oh, you don't suddenly become perfect. There'll still be plenty of things to, to go wrong in your life, but to just make you a new creation, you see things different. You hear things different. You speak different because there's a love in you like you've never experienced before. I want you to know that love today. If you're here, and you don't know him, and if you don't know that love, then I pray don't leave here today without it. Let us talk with you. Let us pray with you. We're not going to coerce you. We're not going to try to even talk you into anything. We just want to share the love of God with you. And Christian, I want you to know, I don't care where you are or what you're doing. I don't care what obstacles that you see between you and what God wants to do with your life. I'm telling you, look at the opportunities. Recognize that God will do great wonders through you and through this church. If to start with, we'll follow his directives. We'll be obedient to what he wants us to do. Father, we thank you today. And Lord, we'll look at a few other things that are important. Lord, we need your presence. We need you to do great wonders in our midst. We need you to do things that can't be accredited to, to a man, to a preacher. We need things to be done that can only be accredited to you. Lord, you know the hearts of each one here this morning. You know if there are those that are here that, that Lord, that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I just, I just pray for them right now, Lord. I pray that you would speak to their heart. I pray that you would help them to understand that one of the greatest wonders that they could ever, ever see and experience in their life is to know that Jesus Christ died for them to give them life for all of eternity. Help them today to recognize that and to accept that. And Lord, for every believer here, Father, I'm well aware 
There are many, many, many obstacles around us. There are many, many, many things that Lord can take us from the main work and get us involved, and it's not bad things. A lot of times it can be very good things, but help us not to get sidetracked. You came to do the work that your Father sent you to do. You've left us to do a work that you came to do. And now, Lord, I pray that you would help us to undertake that work. Help us, help us to follow your directives. Help us, Lord, to be obedient. Help us, Lord, to see you do those great wonders amongst us that will give you all the glory and all the honor. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 